0: God's promises affect real life. God's promises affect real life. I want you to get that. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I think that the Bible is kind of like a fairy tale. And I know this is not going to be good for me to say this, but there are times I'm like, no, come on, that really doesn't happen. I mean, that's not really What we can see in our lives, and especially in the Book of Acts, when we see you know three thousand people being saved and five thousand people being saved, and all those things, we think, ah, come on, really? Is that real? Can that really happen? But here's the thing: God's promises really do affect real life, and we can kind of get in this mode that no, it's it's not really how it happens. Let me give you a few of God's promises. Here's one: He will never leave us nor forsake us. That affects. My real life. Again, we can kind of think about this as, you know what, yeah, I know that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that, but oftentimes I don't live like that. How about this one? We are more than conquerors. That affects my real life. That's what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings for five months I mean, we've been talking, walking through that, how we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so that should affect my real life. Again, Romans chapter 8, if God be for us, who can be against us? There's nothing that can stand between God. There's there's nothing that that can overcome God that affects me. How about this one? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That should affect our everyday life. That should affect me, really. Not just a a theory. This is not evolution we're talking about. This is real life. This is what's going on now. How about this one? We've talked about this before. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That should affect this church's everyday life. How about this one? God works all things together for good. Oh, man. You see, God's promises affect real life. As much as you think they're principles and as much as you think there's some theory in the sky, I think as a general rule, we believe these things. We believe every single one of them, and I often quote them. From this pulpit, I'll often say things like this, and I'll talk about these things, but do we really believe we will see them active in our daily lives? When you're walking around every single day, do you think to yourself, God will never leave me nor forsake me? When you're walking around, you're at work, maybe you're thinking, you know what, I am more than a conqueror here in this sinful place. Maybe you're doing grocery shopping or whatever it is, and if you're like me, I can do all things through Christ. I hate grocery shopping. And so in order to make my wife happy, I can do all things through Christ. It affects real life. Do we really think we can do all things through Christ? Do we really look at the power of the Holy Spirit and jump in with both feet and say, Yes, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to immerse myself in the Holy Spirit and allow Him to immerse me in us be one, as Jesus said in John chapter 17. Do we really believe that God can heal people? We got some bad news today. Of we've been, Our church has been praying for a baby in Cleveland, baby Colette. We got some bad news today that she has a tumor that's inoperable and will probably take her life within a couple of days. Just a young baby. Do we believe that God can heal people? Sure, we pray for it and sure we, I, I expect it. And God may not choose to heal her, but do we believe God can? Do we really believe that God works all things together for good? Do we really believe that? I mean, I mean, really. Not just, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the rubber hits the road, do we really believe that? This is not just as an up-in-the-sky rule that we all live by, but a real promise. That we really look for our, in our lives on a daily basis. Well, this passage of Scripture that we're going to look at tonight is going to show us that God's promises really do affect real life. I want you to remember who this group of people was, or who they were. They were an original group of about 120 disciples. They walk and talk with Jesus Christ, and now at this point in time, here in Acts chapter 5, they've grown to over 8,000 people, maybe more. That's just what we have record of. This is a group that, number one, is unified in prayer. Remember we talked about this. They're, they're meeting and they're praying and they're, they're talking to God about being bold in their witness. By the way, if you committed to praying uh, for 66 days that, that God would give you boldness, today is day 28. Please continue to do that. Pray that God would give you the boldness to live your life for him. Pray that God would give you boldness to, to talk about him the way that you should. So this is a group that's unified in prayer. They're unified in doing. They're unified in working for the cause of Christ. And number three, they're unified in giving. Here we are in in really Acts chapter 4. We begin to see that they begin to take the possessions that they have and they begin to sell them. And they have all things equal. And that people can have these things. We saw last week Ananias and Sapphira held back part of theirs. So these are a people that are doing and growing and giving, and they're unified in prayer. They're unified. Now I want you to see what happens here in Acts chapter 5. Look at verse 12 with me. Finished up last week in verse 11. Let's look at verse 12. The Bible says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord. Notice that. One accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, again, here we are, and were filled with indignation, jealousy, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison, and the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this evening. Father, as we look into your word tonight, Father, I pray that we would be unified with you. Pray that we would be excited about what you can do. Father, not, what, or not be discouraged about what Satan is doing, but Father, be encouraged by what you're doing. Father, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the love shown. Father, the symbol of that love is you dying on the cross. Father, if there's one here tonight that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that they would come to know you tonight. Thank you for, again for the opportunity. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Unity with God. Unity with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 says that we are laborers together with God. We get to work With God. We are, if you'll go to Matthew chapter 11 and you'll look from verse 28 to 30, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You see, we get to yoke up with God. We get to work with God by our side. He gets to bear the burden. His burden is easy. His yoke is easy, excuse me, and his burden, it's light. You see, when God is in the midst, things happen. When we are unified with God, amazing things happen. I want to show you three things tonight. Three areas in which God works where his promises affect real life. So if you'll look at verse, uh, verse 15 with me. Acts chapter 5 and verse 15. I want to show you number one, restored. Restored. The Bible says, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed every one. you see God did some amazing restorative work here people were being healed left right and center They were coming from cities in Jerusalem. Excuse me, they were coming from Jerusalem and cities round about Jerusalem. They were were just coming. I love the fact that it even says that they laid so that the shadow of Peter might overshadow them. And now I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good thing where Peter was raised up in such a way that they were looking for the shadow. But listen, this just shows the power of God. That just a simple shadow would give somebody the possibility of healing. I love the story in the Bible of the lady that just touched the hem of his garment. Listen, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter who you are. God can use you. There's a song written about it. It's called Old Tattered Garment. It doesn't matter if it's just a garment. It doesn't matter if it's a broken soul. It doesn't matter what it is. God can use it. It doesn't matter if it's a shadow. You get that? God is so powerful he can use a shadow. Just shows he doesn't need us. Just shows that if we will just do what is right, God can use us to restore people. And it says, I love the end of that verse, and they were healed every one. Oh, I'm sorry sir, that 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 case is just a little bit too difficult for us. We cannot heal that one today. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. Um, you did not have enough faith. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Bible says very importantly, and they were healed, everyone. You see, it didn't matter if they were blind. It didn't matter if they were mute. It didn't matter if they were halt. It didn't matter if they were, if whatever it was, they had cancer. It didn't matter if they had AIDS. It didn't matter. God could heal everything, and he did. Verse 14, if you go back up there, it says this and believers were the more added to the Lord. So at this point, we know that 3,000 were saved, and we know that 5,000 were saved based on previous passages of Scripture. But now we're just getting into multitudes. Forget the numbers, there's too many to count. It's just multitudes now. Men and women, people coming to Christ, they had ailments. They had sicknesses. They had problems that were being restored. Now let me ask you a question. I think we've seen this over the last several
1: weeks. Who had the power to heal? Who had the power to heal? Was it Peter? No. Was it John? Was it any of
0: the apostles? Who had the power to heal? God did. See, innately, in and of myself, I have no power. I can sprinkle as much holy water on you as you want, but I do not have the power to heal you. I, we have a, a few uh, uh, of, uh, special needs people coming to church on Sunday morning, and it's wonderful. I love having them. But one of the gentlemen always asks me, can you cast this out of me? And I tell him all the time, only God can do that. I cannot cast anything out of you, and he's got a few different problems, and I've been talking to him about little things. And I said, you need to pray and talk to God. Listen, I can't do that. And I believe that no man can. It has to be through the power of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so through the power of Jesus Christ, people are being restored. Now
1: let me ask you this question. Who has the power to save? Not me. Not me. Not you.
0: Only God. Through Jesus Christ, do we have the opportunity to see someone saved? You know we say that for a reason, right? We saw someone saved this week. Listen, because that's all we did was see it. We had nothing to do with it. We are just to be the witness that we are supposed to be. And folks, I believe when we have God on our side, we can see people restored. Not just physically, but I believe spiritually So often I get discouraged because I don't see more people personally
1: coming to Christ. And you know what? I give myself way too much credit just by that statement. The fact of the matter is God is the only one who can do the saving. God is the only
0: one who can change lives. The problem is often this, that I'm not doing my part. You know, I think, oh, I just have to say the right thing and I have to just do the right thing. But listen, the problem is I'm not doing my part. I'm not unified with God. I'm not one with God. I'm depending on my shadow, so to speak. I'm depending on what it is that I can do. But listen, I need to be unified with God. I need God on my side so that when I have the opportunity to say something, I can't help but say something. And I have that boldness to say something. And when I, I, I want to live the way that I want to live. I can't help but live the way that God wants me to live because I've been spending time with God and I'm unified with him and I am his child. Often I'm too shy or I'm too intimidated to talk to someone.
1: Too often I want to live my life. So often I don't want to live the way that God intended me to. You see, God has the
0: power to restore a life from dead in our trespasses and sins
1: to alive under Christ. Only God can do that. When we are unified with God, we can see people restored. I, I believe
0: that we can see our neighbors restored. I have two neighbors that I'm thinking about right now.
1: That I would love to see you come to Christ. Do you know this? We can see St. Thomas restored.
0: Man, I drive downtown and I see people. Especially as we get into these spring and summer months, it's like people come out of the woodwork. And I'm like, man, I just need Christ. Do you realize that God has the power to restore a city? God has the power to restore each individual person in this city. Listen, take London. God can do it there. God can do it anywhere. God has the power. God can restore people and God can restore people. But so often it's our fault. We're not unified with Christ. Why are we not seeing it? 2 Chronicles, excuse me, 7.14, probably an overused verse, but I love it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Shall humble themselves and pray. And what? And seek. My face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land.
1: It's my fault. It's my fault. Listen, God doesn't need me. We talked
0: about this. We've we've spent a lot of time on this. But so often we don't get done what God wants done in our lives because we are not unified with God. God has a plan for every single person in here tonight. Every single one. I don't care if you're, you're, you're an adult that's 98 years old. I don't care. I don't care if you're an eight-month-old. Every person has a plan of God for their lives. And God wants to use you in a way that only he can use you. Will you allow him? Will you be unified with him? And allow your life to restore and help restore other people. Here the apostles are. And people are coming out of the woodwork, out of cities of Jerusalem, and people are being healed and healed and healed, not by their power, but by God's power. So number one, I want you to see restoration is possible.
1: But number two, I want you to see rescued. Rescued. Look at verse 17. The Bible says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him,
0: by the way, if you go back a couple of chapters, this is almost the exact same story. By the way, get this. Where do you think the high priest normally works? Where would you put him? Probably in the temple, right? These people are dumb. They're going right to the people that want to persecute him, they're going right into the place where it's, it's seemingly wrong to do this. So they're in the temple. And the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. I love this. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Now go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. I get such a nonchalant attitude when I read this story. Just as if, no big deal. Just... Yep, the uh, high priest came with a bunch of people, threw them into jail, and God opened the doors and then said, go back to the temple, start preaching again. It's as if there's this nonchalant attitude, like it was no big deal for God to free them from prison. If you'll look at verse 22, though, with me. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, watch this, I love it. Saying, the prison truly we found it shut with all safety. And the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Picture this. The doors are locked. The chains, if you will, are still there. The men are still standing outside. They have no idea what happened. So this is not just an earthquake, although God can do an earthquake and we see him do that. This is literally like a teleportation. He takes them out of one place and puts them in another. Like nobody even knew it. We walked into, maybe I don't know, maybe they're giving them food or water or whatever it was. Or or maybe they're like, hey, these people are preaching again. We better go check this out. We go into the prison and the guards are still there. The doors are locked. Everything's secure and they're out. No big deal. No big deal for our God. No big deal for our God who can do any of those things. Listen, the Bible is literally littered, littered with stories of rescue. There's stories of rescue everywhere in the Bible. Noah in the ark.
1: Purely from a physics standpoint, the ark should not float. But God
0: doesn't care about physics. With all of those things, listen, God rescued them. Joseph being sold into slavery. What a terrible thing. Oh, that would have been so hard. Oh, my goodness. My brothers wanted to kill me, and now they sold me into slavery. What he finds out later, God meant it all for good. Made him second in command over Egypt, David and Goliath. Man, what a story. And I think about that, and I think about the, the wonder of that story, and how a little shepherd boy with five smooth stones and a sling knocks down a giant that weathered seasoned military men were absolutely scared to death of God rescued him. How about this one? David and Saul. David running for his life time after time and one of my favorite stories of David and Saul I forget the exact name of the mountain but but there's Saul is closing in on both sides of David. And David's in the middle, and he doesn't know what to do, and he calls out to God. Then all of a sudden, just as if nonchalantly, somebody comes and says to Saul, Hey, just for the record, the Philistines have invaded your land. And all of a sudden, they pull back. God rescued him over and over and over and over and over again. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're talking a furnace of fire, Where that when they threw the men in, the people that threw them in died. And they walk around and they, oh, I thought we threw three men in. The fourth one is as the image of a son of God. Listen, God is is in the rescuing business. God is in the rescuing business to help us. Daniel and the lion's den. Thrown into a lion's den, This this is not... This is not something that, it, it, these, these lions are not tame. God shuts the mouths of lions, and Daniel comes up. And Paul. We could spend all day talking about the things Paul went through that God rescued him from.
1: You know this? God has the power to rescue you from anything. From anything. Listen, I,
0: I, we don't experience some of the things that, these men have gone through we don't experience some of the things that even even people in the 1800s or 19 or excuse me 1700s experienced we don't experience some of these things and we think oh what could god possibly need to rescue me from listen i understand that but get this there's coming a day when our government is not going to be for us not that they are now but there's coming a day when they're gonna be against us. They're gonna be forcing us to do something. Listen, God has the power to rescue us. God has that. Doesn't mean He's going to, but He has the power to. God has the power to break chains. God has the power to release us from prison. And I love it, it's just so nonchalant. Yeah, all of a sudden here we are walking back in the temple
1: preaching again, like. <laughs> Doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in, he can overcome it. I love this. If he can rise from the dead after three days, he can give us the hope of being released from anything that tries to hold us. Death cannot hold us,
0: he can rescue you from your sins. He can rescue you from your health problem. He can rescue this church from the government. He can protect this church from Satan. He can rescue us. Again, has God ever not rescued someone? Yeah. Think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in prison and he sent to Jesus and said, listen, are you you the son of God? Are you the one that we should look for? Should we look for another? I mean, because obviously I shouldn't be in jail here, right? Sends back, Jesus sends back and says, No, basically, I'm He, and you're going to stay there. Listen, if God keeps you in your situation, He's got a reason. Even John himself said, I must decrease, but He must increase. Listen, God's got a reason. I wish that God would do all the things that we think He should do, right? I think, he should, I think he should absolutely heal baby Colette. I think he should heal some of the ladies that are very sick in our church. I absolutely think he should do that. And I pray for it and I beg God for it. But listen, it's not my responsibility to take over what God is doing. But listen, he has the power to do
1: so. You know what? Jesus himself wasn't rescued. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. Father, let this cup pass from me. Was he rescued? No. Why? So it was part of God's plan. Because if he was rescued, then none of us would have any of these things that we're talking about tonight. I want to show you thirdly and finally, we
0: can be Unrestrained. Unrestrained. Look at verse 26.
1: I love this part. It's my favorite part of the whole story. Then went the captain with the officers
0: and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. So they go back preaching. Obviously, the high priest is there again to see them and takes them back. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? Listen, teach anything else you want. Just don't teach in that name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. How dare you? And intend to bring this, watch this, this man's blood upon us? They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew exactly that they were guilty of it. What do you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Then Peter And the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand, to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Verse 33. When they heard that, They were cut to the heart. And interestingly enough, when people are cut to the heart, they took counsel to slay them. You see, it always goes one way or another, doesn't it? Either you're cut to the heart and you get really mad, or you're cut to the heart and you make changes in your life. Usually there's no in between. It's one extreme or the other, and here they are. They want to slay them. Verse 34, then stood there up one of the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. Had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Hey, let's get these guys out of here for a second. Something, I got something to say. And he said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourself what ye intend to do as touching these men. Watch this. For these, before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. Basically, he rose up and then it, he just went away. Nothing happened. Verse 37, after this man rose up, Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him were dispersed. This Judas rises up and same thing, nothing big. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, And let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. 100%. Verse 39. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Listen, he's saying, listen, I'm not stupid. I've seen a few people come through. Thutis and Judas and these guys rose up and people started following them and then all of a sudden nothing happened. They were dead and they were scattered. And these men, listen, if this is of men, be careful what you do. But if this is of men, it will come to naught. If this is just a bunch of guys getting together and stirring up trouble, listen, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you're not going to stop it. Unrestrained unrestrained i don't care what you put on it you can't stop it i don't care if you bind it with chains you can't stop it i don't care if you try to burn every bible you can't stop it i don't care if you try to burn them at the stake you can't stop it because it's not of men it's of god you can stop the man but you can never stop god unrestrained the apostles stand up for christ Say we ought to obey God rather than man. Gamaliel stands up, points it out, makes the greatest observation of God I believe ever made. You can't stop God. If God be for us, folks, who can be against us? You can never stop God's plan. They can fight against him. They can hate him. They can do whatever they want to him, but he will never be defeated. He will never be overtaken. Satan has tried The second most powerful being in all the earth, in all the world, in all the universe, in all creation has tried to defeat God and was unsuccessful. With a third of the angels by his side, he was unsuccessful. Death cannot keep him. Hell cannot hold him. This is the God that we get to join ourselves to. This is the God that we get to focus on. This is the God that we get to put all those earthly things away for. This is the God. And listen, he wants to use you, and he wants you, and he wants
1: to spend time with you, and he wants to do something with you. This is the God we serve. Satan has tried. Man has tried. There is no one more powerful than God Almighty. So what are we to do? This is all great news and wonderful. How does this apply? Can I tell you this? We need to make sure we're unified with God. We talked this morning about a Children of Israel that were ready to conquer the promised land.
0: They're arrayed on the cusp. They're ready to go in. And they take their eyes off of God and they put it on something else. Listen, we can be here tonight. You can hear this message. And you can still have something that's holding your heart that's not God. That's not unified with God. Unified with God is having the heart of God. If I was to put people in the Bible, that were unified with God, I would go back to the people that were rescued. Noah. Noah was unified with God. He said, Build me a big boat because there's rain coming. Okay. Sure. Starts building it. Takes him 120 years to build it. Not a lick of rain ever started. And then all of a sudden it comes. Is righteous before God. Give you a few more. Joseph, man, he was unified with God. Oh, there's nothing bad ever said of Joseph in the Bible. Does that mean he did wrong? Yeah, it probably does. He probably did wrong. But we never see anything bad about Joseph. He was unified with God. David, the Bible literally calls him a man after God's own heart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Unified with God because they would not bow down. They would not lose their focus. Daniel, again, a man that we never see anything bad said about him. Daniel was unified with God. And Paul, what a wonderful, wonderful example. Just wanted to be like Christ. I, I, I'll suffer anything that I have to suffer Suffer that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I just want God. doesn't matter. Folks, we need to be unified, unified with God. Let everything fall away unless it's for God. Let everything be put aside unless it's for God. Let us put the sin that does so easily beset us away so that we might be unified with God. We have the most amazing opportunity before us. We have the opportunity to see a city changed. Our vision for our church, our vision statement is to seek Christ and share hope. Will you seek Christ? So that we might share hope. We have a a city that can be changed. We have a city that can be rescued. Restored. But it won't be, be restored. It won't be changed. If it's about us. If it's about the Bible Baptist Church, our city won't be changed. If it's about what we can do, the difference we can make. No, listen, it should be about God. And how we can please God. It won't be because of us, it will be God with us. I believe God is ready. I believe God is ready for a generation to turn around and say, no longer Are we going to put up with the things of this world we want God? God is not willing that any should perish. Do you get that? God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God is just waiting for his people to unify with him. There is nothing that can stop him. If we will just unify ourselves with him, God's will will be done. St. Thomas can be changed. Listen, your life can be changed. Chains can be broken. Lives can be restored. Again, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Will it affect your life? Will it affect your real life?
1: This is what happens when a people are unified. Unified with God. I'm going to ask you to have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please.